All right. Well, Romans 8, we're not going to look at this whole chapter, but I think that this is a amazing passage to study on uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, this day we, we come together to remember Christ's resurrection. And what we're doing here today, primarily, fundamentally, uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know where everybody's at today in these things, but hopefully you're here today to celebrate what the Bible calls that of first importance. First importance. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read that the, the message of the gospel is of first importance, and it's this, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. Those things that happened historically 2,000 years ago in uh, Jerusalem still today matter to us, still change our lives, still transform us, and it is of first importance, and it's worth celebrating a, a particular day of the year, uh, even though we should celebrate these things every single day. Um, we believe here today that we are celebrating that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he brought salvation to us because of that, that he conquered sin, that he overcame all of our rebellion and, and disobedience, that he reconciled us to the Father in heaven, and that he gives us a new life to live for him and with him forever. And that's really where Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 takes us. But as, before we get into this passage, I just want to set the stage here because the, the story of the human existence, the human history that we are all living in is a story about trying to find what our hearts most deeply need and want. And, and a friend of mine uh, who's, I think, in the room today shared this with me that the human heart is longing for three things, acceptance, security, and significance. That at the very bedrock of our hearts, that's what we want and need. That we all long for these things. But here's the problem. Outside of Jesus, we will never find those things. We will never find the acceptance or the security or the significance that we long for and desperately need outside of Christ. And I was reminded of this. Uh, I, it always comes back to mind. Something I read Many years ago, it was uh, written by a guy named Augustine. Uh, he wrote a book called Confessions, and we call it the Confessions of St. Augustine, or sometimes it's pronounced Augustine, but um, he wrote in this book, it, it, this whole book was a prayer to God. It was directed at God in the way he wrote it. Um, and here's one thing he said that just resonates. He says, my heart was restless until it found its rest in you. My heart was restless until it found its rest in you. And, and the thing that got Augustine to have rest in Jesus was Romans 8. He read it. He was transformed by it. And he found the rest that his heart had been longing for. I think most of us can resonate with those words to some degree. We're restless. We're trying to find the things that our heart wants but we're looking for those things in all the wrong places. We're, we're looking to fill emptiness that we think we have the power to fill, but we don't. It's because everything that we find that we think is going to fill that 
that emptiness in our hearts is actually leaving us emptier and the promises that they make fail to do it. Just think about any product that's, that's been sold and advertised. The advertisement, the advertisers know what they're doing. They're telling you, here's your deepest problem and if you buy our product, you'll have the solution. Has that ever worked? Not for me, maybe not for you, probably. Right, I, I remember as a kid, uh, watching these, you know, these amazing marketing campaigns. And one toy, when I was a young kid, that stood out to me. <clears throat> I, just rem- I just came back to this this year, uh, this, uh, this week as I was planning this, um, was this stupid little toy called Stretch Armstrong. Does anybody remember Stretch Armstrong? <laughs> wow, a lot of you remember Stretch Armstrong. Okay, so I get Stretch Armstrong. I don't know if it was for Christmas or my birthday, but the commercials were amazing. And I remember as a kid thinking, if I could just get this thing, I will be the happiest person on the earth. And so I get it. And I was the happiest person on the earth for 10 minutes until me and my younger brother stretched that thing till it shattered. It just ripped to shreds. Within 10 minutes, my whole world was destroyed. And I'm still seeing a counselor for that. No, uh, not really. But, but seriously, it was, a, it was heartbreaking as a little, little boy, right? And you all have been there. You've all been there in some way, hopefully not with Stretch Armstrong, but with something We've all tried to find things to pursue meaning. Maybe that's a bigger house or a nicer car or those Packer season tickets that if you have, you can come talk to me after the service. Um, Or maybe it's a new relationship or a different job or whatever, right? We fill in the blank with whatever it is that you think will fulfill you. But it doesn't. It won't. We just keep going through that process over and over again. The Bible has language for this. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says it's like we're chasing after the wind. Can you catch the wind? No. That's the point of the the analogy. You can't catch the wind. You're chasing it and you're just in an exercise of futility. The Bible in that book, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, walks through that. Solomon is writing that to articulate how he uh, thought that all these things were going to fulfill him. He, he had the greatest success of any king in, in the world at that time. He had all the money in the world. He had all the women in the world. He had all the success in his career, and none of it fulfilled him. It was all like chasing the wind. And the reason why everything that we try to fill uh, our longings with is like, is like futility is because we're sinners. And this world is a broken world. And there's nothing in it or in ourselves that can fulfill our hearts because of sin. But here's the good news. And this is why we celebrate Easter fundamentally. It's that God became one of us. He entered into our world. He took on the name Jesus. We we find in this man, this God man, this perfect man, to do for us what we could never do do for ourselves. He came to be the rest that our restless hearts most desperately need. He did that by dying on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem and then on the third day rising from the dead to bring us this, this hope and joy. So let's turn to Romans 8. That was a long introduction, but we're going to get to Romans 8 and, and look at how the bookends of this chapter, we're not going to look at the whole middle section, not that it's not important, it's just 
We don't have the time today. Uh, but we're going to look at the front end and the back end of this passage. And I think that by looking at these bookends, we're going to see what we need to see today. So here's what we're looking at. The first four verses, roughly, explain to us what God did to make us whole. And then the last section of the, of the letter, of the chapter rather, uh, shows us why that matters. Okay, so let's look at it. Chapter one of chapter eight, verse one, here it is. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, let's stop and pause on that. There is now no condemnation. In, in summary, that phrase, no condemnation, can mean that in Jesus, those who are in Jesus have nothing that isn't fulfilling, that isn't uh, good, that isn't acceptance and security and significance. All of that is wrapped into the person and work of Jesus Christ who declares us not condemned. That's an astounding statement considering the fact that we should be condemned because of sin. We have committed what R.C. Sproul, another pastor, he's dead now, but he said that, that sin is cosmic treason. It's, it's saying to the king of the universe, I don't want you. That's what all of us have committed in our hearts in some regard or another. And yet those treasonous people like you and me can stand in Christ, not condemned. How? Why? Well, it goes on to say, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now catch this, verse 3 is so crucial. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So here's what we're seeing, really important stuff here. Um, The Bible tells us that we are not condemned because... God did what we could never do for ourselves. We could never obey God's commands, no matter how hard we try. We will always stumble, we'll always fail, we'll always fall short of those things. And yet God did what we in our sinfulness could not do by by becoming condemnation for us. He condemned sin in the flesh at the end of verse three. What that's a reference to is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. When we looked at this on Friday on our Good Friday service, we, we saw Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he's declaring that he has received the condemnation of God that we deserve. But we don't receive condemnation because God has done what we could never do. He lived the life we could not live And he lived that in our place. He died the death we deserve to die. 
and he did that in our place. And he rose again from the dead so that we can have life. Where is that mentioned? Go down to verse 11, this, the last verse of this sec- first section. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's the key though, being in Christ. That's the caveat. That's the one condition. We need to be in Christ to not be condemned. And if we're in Christ, it's because he stood in our place. He lived our life. He died our death. He rose again to give us life. What an amazing thing. Because Jesus died and rose again, we have life. If the spirit who brought Jesus back from the dead dwells in you, which he does if you're in Christ, then he will give life to your mortal bodies. The question is, is how do we get in on this? Well, Paul answers that question very succinctly and simply in just a couple chapters over in the same letter. In chapter 10, he says, um, for everyone, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That's all it requires. It's we're calling on him to be saved. It's all of what he does. And I'm, and I'm going to reiterate this because it was so good. Chris shared a, a little story with us on Good Friday, and I'm going to take that from him. He stole it from someone else, so it's okay. Um, I'll just keep compounding the steal. But uh, there's a guy named Alistair Begg who uh, shared this, and, and just a beautiful reminder of what this is about is, He's, he's kind of painting this port picture, word picture of the, 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 the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus. There were two men on either side of Christ on the cross. He was in the middle. And one of those thieves said, remember me when you're in your kingdom. And he said, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So imagine that man coming to the gates of heaven and the angel says, oh, how did you get here? And he says, I don't know. So, well, what's your view of justification by faith? I don't have one. I don't know what that means. I've never heard those words. Okay, well, let's go back even. What, what do you believe about the Bible? What's your view of scripture? I don't know. He said, the only reason I'm here is because that man in the middle told me I could come. He said, I could be here. That's true for you and me. The only way we can be with Jesus is because he says we can be. And he invites you to it. All right, let's look back in Romans 8 at the second or the bottom of this chapter because this is where we see why it matters. All of this God did for us what we could never do so we have no condemnation culminates at the end of the chapter with a series of questions. The first question is, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What, what can we say to the reality that God has declared us not condemned because of Jesus? What can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So now let me teach you so you can answer the angels correctly on this. Justified means you are made, declared rather, righteous. It is just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. That God declares you just, righteous, even though you're not and I'm not. We are declared that by the work of Christ. It is God who justifies. Verse 34, this question comes full circle. Who is to condemn? What's the answer? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who is to condemn? The right answer to that is Christ Jesus could condemn, but he doesn't condemn. He's the only one who could condemn us because he's the one who's been sinned against, but he's the one who died. So he took our condemnation. He's the one who took the condemnation we deserved. And more than that, he was raised and he's at the right hand of God today who's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That passage tells us why all of this matters. It is because in Jesus, we have all that our hearts desperately long for. We have acceptance. We are not condemned. We have security. No one can separate us from the love of God. We have significance. We are children of God. That is what Paul says in the middle section that we didn't get to talk about, that we are adopted into this family. We have significance as children of God. We're in his family now. All the things that your heart and my heart most desperately need and long for are found in Christ because he died and because he was raised. Today, of all days in the church calendar year, it's showing us that we need to stop chasing after the wind, stop trying to find fulfillment in what the world has to offer because it can't offer us anything eternal. And we are simply called to call upon the one who died and rose to save us. And as we do, we find what we desperately long for we find the very thing that we were made to know, and that is the God of the universe. To be in right relationship with him and to be with him forever. Jesus did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for all who would trust in him. 
Let's trust in him. Let's take these moments to be thankful for the cross and an empty tomb. Let's take these moments, if we're not here as believers, to cross that line and say, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord today. You can. You can do that right now. There's probably no better day than Easter Sunday to become a Christian. So why don't you do that if you need to do that? There's no bad day to become a Christian, just so you know, but... But I th- there's, there's, there's some better ones. Easter's up there, right? But listen, we, we all can come to Jesus. He wants us. He died to bring us to himself. We just have to call upon him. Confess our sins. Acknowledge our need. You don't have to have all your theological understanding figured out. You don't need to know anything, but Jesus died and rose for me. Would you come into my life, Jesus, and change me? That's all you have to do. It's free. Unlike every promise of every advertisement which says, buy this product and you can find what you need, Jesus says, come to me freely and drink of, what, of the life of, uh, of water that I have for you. Just come and drink. Come and, come and eat and drink uh, of what I have. Come to my table and, and partake. It's a free offer. There's no strings attached. Just just believe and trust. Well, we're going to take some time today to just simply sing in response and and, and pour our hearts out in thankfulness to this God who saved us. We're going to do that in just a few minutes. We're we're not going to partake of the Lord's table today because we focused on that on Friday. And this is the one time a year that we don't take communion here at at Springbrook. This is the only Sunday a year but we did that Friday. And so today we're just going to celebrate the life of Christ by singing, celebrating, rejoicing, fellowshipping afterwards. You're welcome to do that. Um, The only thing I would would add is that if you are a regular here and would like to support us uh, by giving tithes or offerings, there are boxes mounted to the wall. You're welcome to drop your gifts in. But we would just ask that you do that, if you do that at all, you would do that as an act of worship. But there's absolutely nothing expected of you. So please know that, like we don't, we don't ask of anything. But if you would like to help, you're welcome to do that as an act of worship. Otherwise, simply you can, you can join us in singing and, um, and participate that way. So with that said, let me pray for us. Then I'll have the worship team come up and we'll, we'll be led in a few songs of worship this, this morning. Jesus, thank you for the cross and empty tomb. Thank you that you have done for us what we could never do for ourselves by entering into our world in the in in humanity but you lived a perfect life unlike the rest of us and you went to a cross to take the the weight and guilt off of us and you placed it upon yourself and you sat in that tomb until the third day and then you were raised and now you reign victoriously We pray that as we worship you through that, that you would get the glory, the honor, that you would bring men and women and children in this room to you, whether we've been believers for years or have heard this for the first time. Would you draw us to you again? And we pray that you would get all the credit and glory for the the gospel that you've accomplished for us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.